If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 Podcast, Jiu-Jitsu Mindset with Chris Matakis. Like the more you voluntarily pursue resistance, the less you involuntarily suffer. Over time, when you train consistently, your skin hardens. I think the exact same thing happens with your spirit. You will then have that same response in your marriage when you're fighting with your partner. Health, relationships, your soul, your profession. These are bank accounts. Have you made more deposits or more withdrawals? I'll be fucked up if you can't be right. Yeah. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. When I'm away from you, I miss your touch. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the 108 Podcast, episode 212. I'm your host, 108. Our show today is called Jiu-Jitsu Mindset, and my guest is writer, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and self-help coach, Chris Matakis. But before we get into anything regarding the episode, I want to tell you to stop everything that you're doing, rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you are listening Get on your platform, you can hit the rate button, five stars if you're super generous, leave a review, and then subscribe so that way you do not miss a single episode of the show. And then of course, as always, please share the show and share that you're listening to your Instagram, your Facebook, text message it to your buddies, just let everyone know what you're doing and what you think of the show so that way our show continues to grow because I'll tell you what, guys, we've got a lot of great things planned and I want so many people to check it out and I want them to check it out fresh. So if you guys help me, it'll help the show and we'll just continue to grow. But I digress. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode. It is actually coming out on Monday, December 20th, as opposed to Thursday, December 23rd. Now, why did I do that? I Now, you're going to hear in our interview today... I'm going to reference that, oh, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. It is not Christmas Eve tomorrow, guys. I rearranged the episodes for the week, and here's why I did that. As you're going to listen to my episode with Chris, uh, we don't talk really about Christmas 
a lot until the very end. Um, we do a special Signal 3, and then I'm going to wrap up the episode talking about Christmas movies that we have done in the past few weeks. But that's about it. That's really all we talk about. Meanwhile, the Jersey Boys episode that I planned for this week talks all about Christmas. That's all we talk about is the Jersey Boys Christmas party. So, I decided to rearrange the deck for this week only. Next week, we will have the 10-8 episode on Thursday. And any subsequent Jersey Boy episode will come out on a Monday. And then that's it. I don't have anything set for the Jersey Boys into the new year. But I'm just saying when they come back. So, anyway, that's your scheduling note for this week. So, the 10-8 episode is today on Monday. If you're listening live and in real time. And then the Jersey Boys will be on Thursday. But, now back to the regularly scheduled program. Today's episode is kind of the precursor to a lot of good things that are coming. So I talked a little bit at the end of last week's episode. If you happen to listen all the way through, I hope you did. If not, you can always go back. That's the wonderful thing about digital streaming. It doesn't really go anywhere. But what I talked about was that I launched the Code 4 Check, which is basically my dive into mental health. It is kind of the, not a rebranding, but like a co-branding of 10.8 entertainment which is the uh, pseudonym for all this that i'm doing here uh it's not officially a company i guess it sort of is but anyway that's that's neither here nor there so i'm launching into mental health i'm launching into mental health awareness um resources and support but also with that support aspect i i I got to thinking that i really need to focus on mindset also so when we're talking about what makes you mentally healthy It all comes down to your mindset because if you're a pessimist or, you know, if you're a cynic or if you're just kind of this disaster um, planning or whatever is in your mindset, then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So today we have Chris Matakis, who, aside from being a jujitsu instructor and a jujitsu black belt and a writer, uh, he is a mindset coach or a self-help coach. And we talk about all these things and we kind of integrate jujitsu and mental health and just, you know, your psyche and getting it all together. That's what we talk about this this week. And then as we go into January, we're going to be talking to Ben from the Hey My Man podcast. We're going to be talking to Dr. Delery. We're going to talk to Amy Beckler. And then we're going to talk to Erica Gaines. All the things are going to be talking about mental health. And then we're just going to kind of start weaving that in and out of our, you know, pro, you know, super pro cop uh, um, episodes when we're talking to the guys from street cop or we're talking to other trainers or, you know, just other figures in the world of law enforcement. So we're kind of mixing it all together and making a nice, big, happy family, nice, big, uh, cop stew here, if you want to put that way. So I'm a big fan of mindset. Okay. I've been very open about talking about stoic philosophy. That is what I kind of subscribe to. I'm not a very religious guy. I'm not really religious at all, but I am a big subscriber into Stoic philosophy. I've got meditations on my bookshelf. I've got Ryan Holiday on my bookshelf. And I'm looking to get more and more and more. But I've also got other mindset books. Simon Sinek is a big one. Sean Whalen's another big one. You've got Andy Frisella, Ryan Mickler. I've talked about all these guys again and again. So we're going to talk uh, about Jordan Peterson. 
And we're also going to be talking about Chris Williamson in this uh, interview that you're about to listen to. Now, Chris Williamson is one of those gentlemen that I was just talking about. I just found. I found very recently he was on the Order of Man podcast with Ryan Mickler. And then I started listening to Chris's podcast, which is called Modern Wisdom. And since listening to it, since finding it, it's been absolutely amazing. I recommend you all go check it out. He's got a little bit of everything for everyone. So as we go into this kind of mindset path for the next few weeks, I'm going to intro you to him and I'm going to kind of incorporate him and a bunch of other speakers along the way. And I'm also going to start writing out my own thoughts. Now, the way I see it is it's, you know, I'm still learning myself. I'm far from a master. I'm still a a student here. Uh, But I'm going to start writing down my thoughts on just life and different things and mindset and things like that. But until then, instead of me just quoting what these great men or thinkers are are saying, uh, I'm going to cite them directly. I'm going to play bits from their podcast, from their TED Talks, whatever it might be. Okay, so anyway, we're going to go transition into the conversation with Chris Matakis, but first... Here is Chris Williamson and his guest from a recent podcast, Jake Humphrey, who is the host of the High Performance Podcast, and they're going to talk about daily practices to improve your mindset. And then we're going to go right into Chris Matakis, and we'll go from there. Um, one of the things that I find quite interesting, we're talking a lot about theory here, and yeah. we've got some of the lessons out of that, but moving from theory to action is the most important part. So give me yeah. some of the daily practices that you've built to instantiate these lessons. I always think when it comes to this moment, right, we have to be really honest, okay? Because I hear lots of people talking on podcasts and other places where they set unrealistic challenges for people like you and I to live with. So I would love to say I wake up every morning at 20 minutes of meditation, lemon sliced into warm water, make sure I get eight hours of sleep every night, uh, make a diary of my plan for the day, have a gratitude journal at the end of the day that I write in. I don't do any of that, Chris, right? I don't do any of that. I get out of bed knackered because I work too much and the kid's coming out of bed at night and Sebastian's like legs smashing to my face. He's six years old and Florence wakes up grumpy most of the time and then we struggle to get out of the house on time because we're doing the school run and then I feel like I have a production company in London. We've got 200 staff I feel a real responsibility for looking out for them and making sure that that business is driving forwards I've got my TV presenting work I've got the podcast stuff I've got all kinds of little bits rolling around we've got some building work going on at home at the moment I've got family and friends that I feel don't see enough of me and they let me know about that on a pretty regular basis and I don't get into the gym as often as I would like and I snack too much in the evenings which gives me belly fat which frustrates me all of that right is the truth okay but Among all of that, I'm absolutely happy and calm and centered and relaxed with it all because high performance is not about chasing perfection. And I really need to make that clear because I think that we set unattainable goals for people. You know, you watch a James Bond film and you want to be James Bond. Hey guys, he's a fictional bloody character. Okay, you cannot kill 500 men armed with Uzis with one single handgun and a karate chop. Okay, that's not the way the world works. But from the high-performance conversations, the first thing that I am is constantly optimistic. Everything can be a good thing. No matter whether at the time it feels like a difficult thing, it can be a good thing. I'm an obsessive list writer. I think it's really important to write down all the things 
that, and I don't write lists of jobs I've got to do. I write down a list of things that I'm finding frustrating at the moment. Um, because one of the things that I really like is not taking specific action to solve those things. But I believe that by writing those things down and just knowing what they are, then the universe is going to do its bit and solve those. And I could look at everything on the list of the last five years. Everything has solved itself. And I think it's because almost subconsciously you do the things that you need to do to solve those problems and, and to get there. So I'm an, op- I'm an obsessive list writer. I'm an absolute firm believer in not letting the shitty little things in life get you down. If something doesn't matter in five years, don't worry about it for five seconds. You stub your toe, you get a parking ticket, you lose your wallet, you spill some food down your front at a dinner, you're late for a meeting. There's no point worrying about any of those things because I tell you in five years, nobody will even remember they ever happened and you're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy. And then living in the, living in the now, like being totally connected to you here in five minutes time, I'll go in and have dinner with my kids. And that is total connection to them. No mobile phones, no conversation or no thought process about what's happening later or what happened yesterday or what comes next. That is just totally invested in them. My big non-negotiable is that no matter where I am in the UK, no matter what I'm working on, I come home, I make sure I come home and I 100% do the school run. So you can hear my voice doesn't sound great. I've had three hours sleep the last two nights because I was working on the Champions League and we live a couple of hours out of London. So by the time I get home, it's two o'clock in the morning and um, and the kids wake up sometime before 6am. So that has its challenges, but that's the way I want to live because I want to be present for my kids. I want all the things that I talk about and write about and believe in for them to get the real genuine experience of that. Not the words aren't good enough. They have to feel it from me every single day. And just learning, learning all the time to remember to be grateful for all the things in my life. And sometimes I just get that moment where a huge smile comes across my face. And I just think, I just got, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, my life and the things that are going on and the things that I'm doing. And lots of people should feel the same, but lots of people don't feel the same. They don't practice gratitude. And gratitude, I think, is like a muscle. I do think you have to work at it. I do think you have to exercise it. And then it comes naturally. My tip for that, for, for anyone that um, struggles with that, it really starts with self-talk. It starts with being positive. So every time a negative thought comes into your head, stop that negative thought and just replace it instantly with five good things. Just five things that are great. And they don't have to be massive things. So I don't know, if I if I come out of here and I think to myself, bloody hell, I haven't, I've been really busy today. I haven't really spoken to Harriet much. It's really important at that moment to come up with five things that have been really good today. But we woke up together this morning and I made her a cup of tea and we did the school run together. And she had a headache earlier when I got her some tablets and made her some water. And it's still only seven o'clock in the evening. So we're still going to get the whole evening together. And the great thing is I've recognized it. So tomorrow I can be extra present and extra good. Those are the five things to counter out that one negative thing. That kind of mindset is there for everybody. That's a long-winded way of saying that I've picked up a few tips from people on high performance, but I'm far from perfect. I know you've got a lot of worries And you know I've got a lot of worries We can worry them away And live to see another day When you feel your stomach turning in a hurry I'll try handshake and vision blurry From the bad economy All the wine we put in love with me
All right, and we're back. And joining me is a is like a jack of all trades. A very uh, fortunate for me to have this conversation today. We have Chris Matakis. What's going on, buddy? Hello, sir. All is well. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Um, we were just talking right before I press record how different the weather situation is where <laughs> we both are right now. And um, you know, you you look like you got a nice little sweater on, and I'm here in shorts and a t-shirt. And uh, so I'm doing very well. Um, <laughs> but I will say, like. Christmas and the winter, the winter months, like anything from Thanksgiving to New Year's doesn't feel right when it's 80 degrees out. But you know what? You kind of get used to it. I'm sure that you would. Yeah, I'm on the flip side. We're bearing down for, I think the sun sets at like 420 right now. Uh, Yeah. So uh, just getting used to that. Looking forward to the 21st where the days start getting longer. That's true. You know, I got to say that, um, so I, I just moved to Southwest Florida. was on like North Central Florida. And even... That small gap, right? Florida's not a very wide state. That small gap, I'll take a picture at, I get to work around six o'clock, still kind of sunny out. But if I someone else sends me a picture from the same time, it's dark where they are. <laughs> and and it's just, it's insane. And, you know, the the winter months, especially this whole getting dark earlier thing, yeah, that messes with your brain. Like for a while, I was going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark. And that, that messes with you. And I never realized it did until I had a day off and I was walking the dog and it was sunny. I was like, this is so nice. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, and I had, I had a little hippie moment, but it, it was, it was legitimate. Like I was kind of not in the greatest of moods and mm-hmm. just seeing the sun for like a few hours made my day. It was, it was bizarre. It's such a game changer. I've started this thing where, you know, sun is a uh, rare resource between like November and May in New Jersey. Mm. So I always want to capitalize on it. So if the sun is ever out, I'm out other than recording a podcast or writing because it's just yeah. it, you're right. Like seasonal affective disorder is a thing and mm-hmm. it takes one sunny day to remind you of that. So I try to get sunlight in my eyes, like at the different levels that the sun is in the sky. So first mm. thing in the morning, midday right before you know that sunset time because i feel like that lines up that circadian rhythm in a way where yeah. you can actually sleep really well i think you're right and and you know myself included in this next statement uh those that work night shifts they're just they're un- you know I, I read something where people that are more prone to work nights right like our our lineage our ancestors going all the way back to cavemen days we were the night watch. Like we were the ones that would stay up, guard the camp. So, you know, marauders wouldn't show up and grab it. Yeah. So yes, I think some people are just more naturally predisposed to working nights, but it still messes with your brain because you don't have that. You Mm -hmm. don't have, you know, while the the world is awake and the sun is out, you're not there. And I got to say, I'm right now on nights for about a month until I go back to days for training purposes. Mm -hmm. And it's messing with me, like not sleeping properly. And like, I'm always up just like, you know, cause the sun's up. I want to be up and it's just, yeah. it's tough. It's tough. But um, I've also read a lot of different philosophers that say how important the sun is and, you know, go out and enjoy and get that vitamin, that natural vitamin D. Yeah. Um, it's just a, it's a very difficult thing we balance here. Dude, it is right. Like our biology did not evolve to working overnights. Like you said, right. The watchers would take shifts, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the same guy would not watch the tribe for a month straight. You know, he would, right, they would right. make sure he got a good night's sleep. So 
so much of being on this like shift work, being in law enforcement. Like I honor you guys so much because you have to work so much against your own biology. And then I, I love this example, right? So I'm very fortunate that I get to train a couple police departments in defensive tactics because I so value uh, the role that law enforcement plays in society. It's like mm. law enforcement keeps chaos at bay and keeps the culture intact, which sure. I think last year showed us how valuable that is. And I'll ask like the law enforcement guys, like, guys, how how often do you deal with people in the worst moment of their day? And they pretty much say all the time, those are the only people we deal with. Whereas right, sure. for me, dude, I, I teach jujitsu. So I only see people on the best hour of their day. And that contrast, I could not fully appreciate. Uh, I'll probably have to do some ride-alongs with, with the guys mm-hmm. to really understand yeah. it. I so appreciate your willingness to do that, to sure. go against your biology and to protect people and deal with people in the worst hour of their day to not make it even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you make a good point about, you know, going against your biology, even the whole fight or flight instinct, right? Because, you know, naturally, I'd say, I I, I don't know the actual statistic, I'm sure it's there, but let's just say 80% of people, when danger's in front of them, their natural reaction is to, is flight, is to leave. Like they don't want to be there. Who does? Um, But then you've got that 20%, let's say, that that makes up the population of first responders, the military, the guys that run towards the danger. They're the fight, you know? And, you know, that is, it's just against natural biology. And you have people that maybe their their natural biology is to to flee, is to go away from the violent or the the danger. But they believe in themselves that they need to go forward. Yes. And so you get these guys that put themselves in, in worse predicaments than they would rather have liked, but they, they feel more fulfilled doing such a thing, you know? But yeah, so it's, it's all about just going against your biology and just what the the natural norm is. I've seen, I always tell people do ride alongs. I mean, now with COVID, you know, no one's really riding in a police car, but they're starting to come back. But I've had buddies that I grew up with, you know, I used to play music and they were less than favorable of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. The guys that I would play, play with. And I said, you know, just do a ride along because I, I can tell you from experience, you don't know everything that go that goes through a law enforcement officer's day, let alone yeah. their mind. Um, but do it, you know. If nothing else, you will have experienced something you haven't before. But I'm sure it will change your opinion or broaden your horizon, you know. Yeah. And on the flip side, another thing when when they start getting so crit- uh, critical about use of force, do a use of force simulator, like do force on force resistance training, do something where, you know, you have a shoot, don't shoot scenario. Like imagine being in that scenario and I guarantee you, you're going to, you're going to have a a bad day. Um, I've seen, there was a, I think it was in Arizona or New Mexico. There was a reporter that was so against the police. This is back during um, the Ferguson days. So Mm -hmm. like a bunch of years ago and he was so against it. And the news outlet was like, all right, well, um, whatever, police department it was was like come do this um use a force simulator with us you'll be um you'll have the gun right you will you're going to be the one that actually shoots uh sim rounds the bad guy who's going to be in the the sim round suit he's going to have like a blue gun but he's not going to shoot you so you're in no real danger at any time mm-hmm. but whatever so they run him through a couple of drills and i think of the five drills he did he shot the guy the wrong time every single time <laughs> And he, at the very end, he's like, all right, my bad. Like, and, and he was eating crow. But that's that's what we need as a society because we've gone so haywire. And everybody's just like, 
oh, you know, every, everything that comes to us on the on the news outlets is so divisive. Well, let's let's start like calling things what they are. And hopefully we'll get some change before we go any further down this rabbit hole. Cause I think we're onto something really good. I'm going to go ahead and turn things over real quick. Let you uh, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are, what you do. Um, like I said, you're like a Jack of all trades. I was looking on your Instagram right before I pressed uh, record so many things that you do. So please let us know. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, hey guys, my name is Chris Matakis. Uh, I do a few things. I am a jujitsu black belt and school owner in Florence, New Jersey. I'm also an author. I've written 12 or 13 books, primarily centered around using jujitsu as a vehicle for personal development. And then I'm also a mindset coach, which I really enjoy to help people create whatever changes they uh, they want to create in their lives. And when I'm not doing those things, I'm usually alone on a mountain somewhere. Nice, nice. You know, mindset is so important to me, and just generally speaking. So we're I'm going to touch on that a lot. Um, so you've been a, you're a jujitsu black belt. How long have you been practicing jujitsu? Since 2008. So that would be coming up on 14 years, I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What got you into it in the first place? Oh, that's a good question. So I graduated college and I was one super bored and two, I still felt like a boy who never had that rite of passage. So mm-hmm. I was looking for this problem to solve, and I took my intro class where you learn a hip toss, a cross-collar choke, and I instantly fell in love and was like, this is a problem worth solving. And then Mm -hmm. jujitsu became pretty much my 20s, where I just stayed in friends' houses and spare bedrooms and trained every waking hour that I could. And uh, that ultimately led to opening up my own academy uh, September 11th, actually, four years ago. Okay. Okay. So I I, – I grew up doing karate and then when I got to a certain age, my parents couldn't afford it anymore or something like that. And I stopped going. Yeah. And then as I grew up, didn't really touch martial arts for a long time. And then when I went to the police Academy kind of got, you know, their defensive tactics, which we all know is shit, but <laughs> it was enough to like, kind of start rekindling that fire to like, Oh man, I miss doing that. You know, that activity and, I mean, let's be honest, you know, getting physical in a, in a quasi controlled environment, it feels good, you know, like yeah. there's, there's, there's something about it. So then I went, uh, about a year later I was in field training and my FTO was a dick and he was like, man, you got to build yourself confidence up. And which it's, it always baffles me how a uh, field training officer that's breaking you down every single time. He's like, Hey, you got to build that self-confidence up, buddy. Yeah. So I got into it was like a jujitsu fusion academy kind of thing. So it had jujitsu, had a keto, had some judo in it, had a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and it was great. I loved it. The instructor was absolutely amazing. He's still to this day, a, a close friend of mine, but then time and money got in the way of that. Yeah. And then just a few months ago, got back into this time into BJJ and my, again, I was loving it. Time, money and life happened. So now that I've moved, now that I'm getting settled, I'm about to go back into the gym, um, gotten reference to different places down here but i've always been drawn to it always enjoyed it and yeah there's just nothing like hanging out with a couple of buddies and choking the shit out of each other like it's good times it's good times. it dude it is and i think people train primarily for three reasons at, at least the adults right it's either you want to learn self-defense you want to lose weight get in shape or you want a community you want to be part of a tribe you know that sort of 
the thing that the law enforcement gave you or military gives others in the secular world, we don't have that sense of tribe anymore. So mm-hmm. when you can hit each of those nails on the head with one discipline through jujitsu, like it's such an invaluable experience for most people. You know, there's a high barrier to entry because of how difficult it is. But mm-hmm. if you were someone capable of pushing through that initial resistance, like there's so much to be rewarded in that. Sure. In that and, you know, one of the things that kind of sh- – kept me away from BJJ for so long was that fear of being so far behind the eight ball, you know, just being so, so beyond behind on the curve. But if you have a good school and a good instructor, you don't feel that way at all. You walk in the door. First off, it was like a cult. Um, (laughs) When I walked through the door, everybody's high fiving me, welcoming me. And I was like, I've seen cult movies. This is exactly (laughs) how it starts. (laughs) But, and then the instructor, you know, he took, he took me to the side, did a few like, you know, the intro courses with the cross collar choke and a couple other things. Great stuff. And I was like, oh, this is, yeah, let's do it. You know? And he said, you know, first couple months, you will never rank, you never roll with somebody beyond this belt. Cause I don't want it to be too much for you, mm-hmm. which is good because the last one I was, I was getting tossed by guys that were Brown and black belts. And you know, I was, I was limping home. Like it was, it was yeah. tough, you know, it was a bad thing. Uh, and then the second day of class, I got choked out by a blue belt and I'm like, okay. So he was just joking about that part. That's okay. So that was a fucking lie. But yes, that sense of tribe, that's so important. And it is, it's lacking in our society. I think of all the like fraternal orders that, you know, your dad probably went to, my dad went to American legions and the FOP and uh, you know, the Eagles and all these things. They don't, they're not really a thing anymore. I don't know if they're like drawing younger people into it. So now, yeah, we have to find things that keep us together, you know, and you got these things right here that do nothing but keep us further apart. Yes. And for people that don't aren't in this conversation, I held up my cell phone. Our culture is, is, being pulled apart. So, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about what jujitsu does to like bring people together in that weird way. I I've been trying to work through this, right? Because jujitsu really does serve so many different goals at the same time. Like it's very rare in Mm. that. And I think at its root, there's a fundamental behavior pattern that we train in jujitsu that makes the rest of our lives better. And I, I think it's something along the lines of, Jiu-Jitsu teaches you to confront resistance voluntarily in the most productive way. Mm -hmm. And we experience that every time we train. You know, you voluntarily seek out difficult training partners and you know that failure is almost a prerequisite for success, but you continually show up. You, You posit an ideal, right? You try something. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, your environment gives you immediate feedback where you failed. You then integrate that lesson and you try again newly formed, you know, with more capacity because of your experiences. And that's the same thing we do in our marriages. It's the same thing we do in our businesses, same thing we do with our health. So for me, I think that's really like the sweet, the secret sauce of Mm jujitsu is that Mm -hmm. it teaches you to voluntarily confront resistance in a productive way. And I think that's something that we all need now more than ever because, yeah, there's a lot happening in the world, but on the whole, in most of our lives and most of the people listening, like, dude, life is really good. All of our mm-hmm. comforts are kind of taken care of. We yeah. won't go hunt our food. We don't build our structures. We don't have to fend off barbarians at the gates. And yep. it's all that sort of passivity that like culminates in us running away from resistance because we're so not used to experiencing it. And that's where 
the physical resistance we can pursue will also help us with all of our, our mental health issues. Yes, absolutely. Like the more you voluntarily pursue resistance, the less you involuntarily suffer. And it just becomes a practice that I think jujitsu gives us the opportunity to practice more than any other discipline. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, the, when you're explaining, uh, you know, something that has that sense of community, that physical thing, the only other thing I can think of is, and it's another called CrossFit, <laughs> but, you know, so I, I see those two, but that's all I see. Those are the only two things that exist where it's like, you know, let's let's get in shape, let's work out, let's, let's be around people with the same-minded goals as us. Um, yeah. The only difference is, you know, if you do a lift wrong in CrossFit, it's going to hurt. Uh, you're not going to get the the weight up the same way. But I feel like jujitsu, if you don't do a move right or if you don't plan yourself correctly, that that negative re- response is going to be way much more in your face. Yes. Literally, you know, I was I was rolling with you know fellow white belts and uh, uh, that I started with, and we were doing okay. We were doing the best, you know. And I was like, oh man, I think I kind of I think I kind of got this. Like mm-hmm. they were all bigger than me, but it was good to like roll them and everything like that. So then they they mixed in a blue belt, I think, and I was not even, not even. It was, I think, it was another white belt with maybe a stripe or two on his belt. Mm-hmm. I got my ass handed to me, <laughs> and that was so important to me. It was like, all right, so you're not as good as you thought you were. You got to keep trying. And I think we're so used to nowadays uh, when we get that response, uh, you know, that negative response. It's just like, all right, I give that shit up. But when yes. you're actively working on something, you're like, nah, man, let me get back in there. Let me figure out how to do this. Maybe that's just my mind. What have you seen? Have you seen that people – go ahead. You're entirely right, dude. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you know when you start training, you get mat burn, you get brush burns mm-hmm. like on mm-hmm. your elbows. Well, over time when you train consistently, your skin hardens, it calluses. I think the exact same thing happens with your spirit. Like the way you just described it, I think that's why jujitsu – Communities in general are so special because mm-hmm. that barrier to entry, you have to be someone who is humble enough to pursue failure and not only just pursue it, but integrate the lesson and have the humility to ask for another serving. And yes, that's yes. just not common. And then you're surrounded by people who are all doing that on the mat. But realistically, if it's good culture, they're all doing it off the mat as well. And mm-hmm. The response you just had to failure, you will then have that same response in your marriage when you're fighting with your partner, where you could take a step back, integrate the lesson. And that happens in our health. It happens in our finances. It happens in our passions and pursuits. And I, I just think like life is way too complex to be solved by one brain. And I'm always looking for like, what are the easiest or not easiest? What are the the most likely pathways to success that mm. hold true across disciplines. And that's why I've become obsessed with like this archetype of the hero and really trying to understand the Carl Young's, the Jordan Peterson's, because Mm -hmm. what they're basically saying is like, when you embody the behavior process of the hero, it gives you the best chance of success regardless of discipline, because that behavior process is transdisciplinary. This like voluntarily doing difficult things in pursuit of the better that makes every area of your life better. Like it's a bulletproof approach. And I think for all of us, you're going to, if you are going to interact with the world in that way, you're going to do it through one discipline first. And then it's that discipline that allows it to bleed into the rest of your lives. Mm, and I, yeah. In the modern world, bro, jujitsu is like, it's the clearest pathway to learning that skill that makes all other skills better. 
yeah, I think you're right. I think I think that was that was amazing because you need that you need that base. You need some kind of base. And while you can read a bunch of books, you can listen to a bunch of podcasts. That's good, but that's that's theory. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of like building up your your kind of moral backbone, or yes. or in some cases, just kind of supporting what you've already got. Mm-hmm. Now, how you how are you going to implement that? I listen to a lot of and read a lot of books. Um, where they're talking about, you know, discipline as in go for a walk every day. Don't touch your phone till after 9 a.m., things like that. That's great. Good stuff, right? But it's so easy to fall off of that. Yeah. So easy to like, oh, well, I get to sleep in this morning. I'm going to do that. Or something. Something changes with that pattern um, that you you fall off of it. But jujitsu, right, or things similar, and we're going to stick with that, obviously, because the is the name of the game today, for one hour maybe more. You can't touch your phone. You can't worry about the outside world. You're being physical. You're sweating. Like, you know, you're forced to do these things. And, and if you have the right mindset going in, knowing that you're going to come across failure, yes, then it's going to just, like you said, build that callus of the soul and just, yeah. it's going to kind of, like you said, bleed into other aspects of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important and something that we really don't get taught nowadays because of this instant gratification culture yeah yeah and dude you bring up a good point right like that's the free time from your phone and your responsibilities and you know in most academies you bow on and off the mat right Right. and people think of it as respect to the art or respect to the teacher and those who came before but i always kind of viewed it as it's showing respect to yourself it's a it's like an incantation and a commitment that when I bow onto the mat, nothing else exists. And this is my time to work mm-hmm. on my craft. This is the only thing that gets my attention. And as soon as I bow off, the real world comes rushing in. Yes. Yeah. But that time on the mat was mine. And mm-hmm. that's another thing that I think is really important for us to sort of build in these practices that serve us on multiple levels and then just have the commitment to protect them, preserve them on your schedule because it's so easy for the world to come rushing in and to take away from the time that you would be investing in yourself, whether it's a jujitsu home, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Sure. And you need that. You need that time for yourself. It's so important. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in life and and for life to rush in and, and ruin things. One of the I was listening to a podcast this morning on my drive home, and one of the things he said I was listening to the uh, Chris Williamson podcast. He said activity mm-hmm. is the antidote to anxiety, mm-hmm. which goes back to what you were saying. If you have all this stuff on your that you're actively doing, you don't have time to be in your head. And <laughs> I never felt more at ease, you know, during the time that I was in jujitsu mm-hmm. than when I was doing jujitsu. Like I didn't care about anything else than just whatever I was doing at the time, the move I was yeah. learning. I remember not being in class and being like, man, I want to go back. Like it was just such a, a relaxing experience, which is a hard thing to to think about when you're actively fighting somebody, but yeah. it, it is, it's relaxing. It's not worried about bills. It's not worried about medical problems. It's not worried about the, all those things. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be there when you bow out, but when you bow yeah. in, leave it all on the mat, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Dude, that, that's a great way to put it because I always viewed it as it's a mini hero's journey, right? Like mm-hmm. the old approach to the hero's journey was you're at the status quo in your village and you get called to action. You go off into a quest. You you go somewhere which is new, unknown, novel, and you encounter some dragon. 
you come back and you bring that treasure to your people. And like that, that's how the monomyth works, right? But mm-hmm. it's much easier to understand it through the lens of say what we do on jujitsu. Like I believe that when you bow off, you should be more or have more than you were when you bowed on. Yes. And that sacrifice that whoever is at home waiting for you made in your absence, so you could go choke your buddies, it's only worthwhile to them if you bring something back for them, right? If you have mm-hmm. more to give your family when you've returned. And I, I love viewing it through that lens of every day we go on the mat, you go on a mini hero's journey and it's your responsibility to take what you learned, what you acquired right, right. or what you let go of and bring that back home to the people you love. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, we carry around all this stress from life and work and whatever, just around with us all day. Yeah, It's going to do nothing but take away from our family and our loved ones. Because, you know, when you're stressed, you're not the person that you should be. You're not the person that you need to be. So you need that outlet. You need the way to kind of decompress. And there's nothing healthier that I can think of than jujitsu. You know, it's, it's obviously, it's not a drug. I mean, it kind of has the same drug, like characteristics it gives you that dopamine it gives you that you know but it's not a drug it's not you know a pill it's not an alcohol thing yeah and that's where i think it makes it so unique why i always tell people to go do it mm-hmm. and and it can go for other things as well but i just think jujitsu is so th- there's nothing it's a, you don't have to be a law enforcement officer to to learn jujitsu you don't need to be you know a ufc fighter to learn jujitsu you could be and i've seen it 40 50 year old guys just getting into it because they needed some kind of physical activity in their life. They needed something to get away from the wife for an hour Mm -hmm. and they fell in love with it. You know, I've seen it firsthand or, you know, your wife gets into it also. And now she starts rolling as well. And now it's actually something that you guys can do together yet separate. You know, it's just so many things that kind of come and go with it. Yeah. And I think another one of those things that it can be is like Carl Jung had this idea, Carl Jung, Nietzsche, Jordan Peterson, they've all kind of honed in on this idea of being an apprentice, that Mm -hmm. we all have the need to become an apprentice in a discipline because what that discipline does, it it creates so much restriction that a lot of the insufficiencies and unnecessary aspects of you kind of fall off along the way. And when you make it through that apprenticeship, you become, we'll call it like a master. You now have the capacity to be successful in many different domains because you found success in one. And that leads to the others. And mm-hmm. and this is why it's so cool to me, right? Because that would be what a Carl Jung said, uh, uh, the role of the apprentice in your 20s and 30s is four. But then he says, you know, the role of the aging man is to find the child he left behind when he became an apprentice and reintegrate mm-hmm. that childlike mm-hmm. approach to life. And that's exactly what the adults do when they train yeah, jiu-jitsu. Yeah, it's yeah. the only time we can play. So somehow we have this thing that's the perfect apprenticeship as well as the perfect opportunity to play. And I think that's just, it doesn't exist elsewhere. No, it doesn't. It's, it's hard to do that. And it's just, you know, everything you're saying about, you know, the hero's quest, the apprenticeship, it's all things that I feel like everyone feels or not everyone, but a lot of people feel, you know, everyone wants that sense of purpose, that sense of doing something, sense of achievement. You get that. Now, have you done, and I'm sure you have, different competitions for jujitsu? Yeah, yeah. I don't compete anymore, but I did a bunch uh, earlier on in my Okay, okay. And I'm sure that the the feeling you got from competing was just out of this world. Dude, yeah. So 
I briefly fought MMA and only three times. And they were three of the most fun experiences of my life because of the after party where a hundred of my friends come down to watch the fight. And then we all go out afterwards. And it was almost yeah. like the celebration with the people you love was more rewarding than the fight itself. Yeah. 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 Because of the deprivation that you have to voluntarily do when you're training for something like that. Right. It's like and- you become a robot. Right. And you learn so much discipline in doing that, that it's almost, that's good for your soul also. Like, you know, like I, I follow a lot of uh, stoic philosophy. I read a lot of stoic philosophy. And one of the things they always say is like, it's okay to make yourself suffer every once in a while to like prove yourself that like you can. And yeah. I feel like, you know, making weight for a fight or, you know, being disciplined for a fight or, or, um, or a marathon or whatever it might be. That's a good thing because you're going to get rewarded at the end, like either yes. by completing that, that goal by the after party that you're talking about, it's going to be worth it. You know, you're not suffering for no reason. Yeah. And I feel like, um, voluntary discomfort is so important and no one, no one wants to volunteer and say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, do one thing or another or get my face punched in, mm-hmm. but it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay for that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, we need that. Right. And I guess it depends how conscientious you are, but I think a lot of us, we, we're sled dogs and we need something to pull. We need labor. Yeah, yeah. If you're really fortunate, you find labor that directly aligns with your soul, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is you feel compelled to do. And if you have not had that uh, fortunate experience yet, then you find labor that allows you to serve the people you love, you know, mm-hmm. but all of that requires that you have to do things you don't want for the people or things that you do want. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of view it like this, right? So to use that hero metaphor again, so the hero slays the dragon and gets the gold. And we view it as two different experiences. There's the dragon, which is the precursor to the gold, but you don't get gold without having first gone through dragons. So yes. it's the exact same thing in life. They're part of the same process. Like I think it's more accurate to just hyphenate the terms like, it's dragon gold. They're part of the same thing. The, right, right, right. The amazing experience you get when you're done training is only made possible because of all the suffering and exhaustion you experience while training. And yes. the same holds true everywhere else. So it's mm-hmm. like I'm sort of trying to help people develop a relationship to the dragons where it's not an obstacle, but that's actually the gateway to your success. There's right. your freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, Bro, uh, Joseph Campbell had this brilliant line. In the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And you can use that to orient yourself in your life, man. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And it it all comes down to like what your context is. And, Mm. you know, um, the podcast I listened to this morning, you know, the framing of your current situation. And he used the, an example, like, you know, when you're done working out, you know, you you went really hard in the gym or, or on the mat, you're feeling tired, uh, you're sweating, you're breathing crazy, your heart hurts, your lungs hurt, everything hurts. Yeah. But it's after training, so you feel good about it. You know, that, that's what mm-hmm. you went for. That's the goal. Well, if you had that same feeling in the car on your drive home, you're going to go, holy shit, am I dying? Like yeah. something totally different. Yes. But it's crazy that that's the exact same symptoms you wanted in the gym. Mm-hmm. Great you don't want there. Same thing with, you know, slaying the dragon, getting the gold, you know, like you're not going to put yourself through this, this mountain of fighting the dragon or, or climbing up to the castle. Yeah. If there's no gold, you know, then you're just kind of spinning your wheels for absolutely no reason. Why would you put yourself in just a precarious situation for no reason? Yes. There has to be, you know, and I feel like when we, when we 
you know, you look at someone like a Jocko, a Goggins, all these like hyper masculine and goal oriented guys. Great. I love it. But I'm always like, all right, but when do they like chill out and like feel happy (laughs) for what they did? You know what I mean? Like, but I feel like, you know, you, yes, it's very important to be disciplined and, and take care of yourself and whatever, and, you know, motivate yourself or, you know, whatever their power term of the day is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you need a goal. You know, we as, as humans are goal oriented, you know, we're yes. not just going to do something with, with no goal in, in sight. And I feel like you always need to have that goal. And I yeah. feel like that's probably, you know, you as a mindset coach, that's probably something that you may teach somebody is that, you know, what are you going for? What is your goal? Yeah. Dude, that's, what's fascinating. You view the world through the lens of your goal. And Mm -hmm. I learned this over the last like couple of years and it's really changed the way I approach behavior modification. And Mm because we all want to change something, whatever it is. And you're right. You want to know what you're aiming at, but here's the weird thing. It's like, you're consciously aiming at something, but then your depths, your subconscious are also aiming at something. And to the degree that those things aren't aligned and you act across purposes to yourself, like you're going to suffer. And this is, this is where this is so useful that anyone can apply this today. Like you literally view the world through the lens of your goal, meaning you, you see yourself nested in a narrative where you are somewhere and you want to go somewhere else. We all have this, right? Sure. You have that economically, you have it with your body, jujitsu, whatever. Now, in your journey from point A to point B toward the achievement of your goal, you will inevitably encounter something that you did not expect. You will encounter novelty, right? Just something in the way of the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what that thing is, is completely contextual. Something can either be a tool to help you continue on your journey or an obstacle to impede your journey. Here's a simple example. Let's say I am late to go teach jujitsu and I got to run out of here, run to my car and get moving. If my primary goal is to get to jujitsu, the old woman in the stairwell has become a major obstacle to me getting to jujitsu. Right. But what if my goal is I don't have to go to jujitsu today. I'm going at my own pace and I just want to be a productive, kind member of society. And rather than that woman be an obstacle, now she's an opportunity, a tool for me to practice compassion and kindness. And I help carry her groceries. The same person became two entirely different things based on what my goal was. So knowing that, and that's like a silly example, but it's true. You view the entire world through that lens. Like when you have an overarching business goal, you now see everything as this is a tool to its attainment or an obstacle that impedes its attainment. And Mm -hmm. the clarity you can bring to the goal bring, if you imagine on a path, it illuminates everything else on the path. It's like having a clear goal at the end of the path puts street lights on and bright Mm -hmm. spotlights over the entire path because now you can see what's important and what's not. And without a clearly defined goal, that's damn near impossible. I agree. And I feel like there's just so many opportunities in the world that are, there's no reason why your obstacles can't become your tools. Um, There's a book I have on my bookshelf somewhere the obstacle is the way right Great book. yes you know where you take what is in your way and make it your way you know it's it's how are you going to get through this are you going to go over it around it or through it and that's kind of exactly what you said and every person i meet through the podcast through life i try to take their experiences their message what they've gone through and mm-hmm. apply it to my life even if you know you and i may have separate paths we may have similar paths whatever there's something that you have done that i can maybe take from yes i I don't know if it's just 
it's probably just how I've experienced life, you know, and I've worked with a lot of older people and I know many people my age when I was in those positions would have said, Oh, I'm not going to listen to him. What does that old man know? Mm -hmm. Old man knows a lot, you know, and that's just kind of how I've always been. Maybe because my parents were so much older than I was and they were so much older than my friend's parents that I was just like, no, let me take every single drop of knowledge that I can get. Yeah. And kind of pick, you know, take what is relevant and discard what is not, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. When, when someone comes to you as a, as a seeing you as a coach, right. Mm-hmm. As someone to like change their mindset, what are some common things that they come to you with and you know, how, how can they sort of be morphed out of it? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, right. Using that same idea of everyone is somewhere and everyone wants to get somewhere else. Right. And unless you are enlightened, you want to get somewhere else. So knowing that that's sort of the backdrop, it's either someone has a very clear goal and we figure out how to get them there. And it turns out that most of the obstacles are not external, but internal. There are a lot of subconscious patterns. We just get used to running that we don't see anymore that impede our path. So Mm -hmm. that's part of it. And then on the flip side, there's also people who they don't know where they are. And if you don't know where you are, you can't define something better. So, Mm. and that could be someone in crisis, someone in severe trauma, where rather than figure out point B, we have to figure out point A first. Sure. You know, that's really important. And uh, one of the, the sweet spots that I really work on is, you know, achievement of goals is relatively straightforward. It's the same thing as jujitsu. You, you make a hypothesis, you implement a plan. The world will give you feedback. Either it's working or it's not. <laughs> sure. And, dude, if it doesn't work out, we integrate that knowledge. We become more informed. We posit a new plan and we continue. And if you make enough of those loops, you will achieve most goals. But the thing that I'm becoming increasingly focused on is because I've had the opportunity to work with some really high achievers. Are you enjoying the achieving? You know, are you enjoying the experience of being you while you're in this journey? Because I think a lot of us, I mean, myself included, I was trying to get to point B that ever like for jujitsu, right? Like master jujitsu, become a black belt in jujitsu where it becomes work. It becomes labor and you can kind of lose the passion and love while you're so busy achieving that you miss out on fulfilling. So one of the things I, I really try to hone in on is what is the experience of being you while you're becoming that next version of you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if you don't enjoy being you, you're not going to enjoy being you once you get there. Because we have that, you know, once I get X, Y, and Z, everything's going to be okay. But yeah, dude, I I swear, man, I I feel you were listening to the podcast. I was listening to this morning because everything you're saying is just hitting. He said, um, you know, don't work on becoming happy. Just work on being happy. And I mean, if you're not, exactly, if you're not happy. And the other thing he said was, if you're not happy with a coffee, you're not going to be happy with a yacht. Yes. Yeah. You know, that is just, and when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And how many people, you know, they'll say like, oh, I'll be so happy when this is done. I'll be so happy when this is done. Oh, I got to move and I'll be happy. No, you got to be happy where you are. And what, you know, I always say like, what is going on in your life that you're unhappy and you know, you've got to, oh, well, I've got a bad relationship with. X, Y, Z, cut those people out or improve those relationships. What happens next? You know, it'll, it'll start clearing those muddy waters. Yeah, dude, you're right. Like you're only as happy as the worst part of your life. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I, I really view life as like a pie chart, right? You have all the different, we all have our health, we have meaningful relationships, we have our work, we have our passions, you have whatever else it might be. So there's a finances, there's at least five things that you have to address that if any one of those falls behind, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to yeah. be fulfilled. And what I've found really interesting is that we all have these rules in our head, these, these subconscious programs, and we all have a certain criteria that has to be fulfilled until we allow ourselves to experience happiness, love, Mm -hmm. joy, whatever it is. And a lot of us have so many rules Mm -hmm. that must be met before we allow ourselves to be happy that we never let ourselves be happy. Yep. You're absolutely right. And, or not only that, but there's no, um, you don't, you don't give yourself a little bit of leeway in those rules. You know, it's just yeah. this way. It has to be this way. That's the only way. And there's yeah. no give or take when, and life is give or take, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, I, you know, I need, I need my perfect partner to be this, 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 and this, which I always think is stupid anyway. But yeah. you know, if, if those, if that list isn't like a psychological or like emotional uh, bucket you're filling, if it's a look thing, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Because in five years, the person's going to look completely different anyway. They're going to cut their hair or whatever, uh, get something pierced you don't like. But just generally speaking, like, oh, for a perfect job, I need this, 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 this. No, no, no. Just focus on a few things that are important to you. Figure out why you want to do this and then fill in those blanks. And then I always say, you know, you can work towards your goal, right? That's what we're always trying to do is we're working towards our end goal but you got to start somewhere, right? Like Rome wasn't built in a day. You're not going to be perfectly happy or not, not even happy, but fulfilled. But who wants to be fulfilled right away? That's like when I was working on my last police agency, I wanted to be a detective. That's that that was my main goal. I wanted to be a homicide detective. I wanted that's, you know, law and order SVU. I wanted to be me. Mm -hmm. And I was offered it three years on. They're like, Hey, you want to go be a detective and move up the ranks? And I was like, no, I said, you know, yeah. I was like, you know what? No, I want to experience. I want to learn. I want to grow because this is my end goal. I want to yeah. get there eventually. Yes, but I don't want to rush it. I want to enjoy the experience to get there. And they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And <laughs> But you know what? It's You have to suffer in order to enjoy the end goal. That's how I always felt about it. Like, you know, you, you, you don't you don't know how we were just talking about sun and darkness right you don't realize how much you love the sun until all you get is darkness and that's kind of how i feel about life in general yeah yeah and it's funny right like maybe you don't have to suffer but you do suffer is an exaggerated term you do have to struggle a lot yes yes and it that never changes like we all sort of live in this nested framework where it's like if i achieve x y and z then i'm done then everything's going to be okay. Right. But, For most cops listening, it's like, when I hit my blue belt, I'm good. No, 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 yeah. no. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, it's representative of a deeper issue where everything is process, right? Everything is in flux. Everything is in flow. And that's why I love all these stories about the hero, because forget the particular ways they're manifested, whether it's in a biblical text or a Disney movie or your favorite Star Wars movie. It it doesn't matter because they're all representing a process. Mm-hmm. And the process of being, of voluntarily pursuing difficult things, I think that is the greatest antidote to modern struggle. And it's the greatest antidote to the inevitable complexity of life. Like I 
a large percentage of people come to me as a coach purely because they have a complexity problem. They have too many variables in their lives. And I view all these like bank accounts. So here's a really pragmatic, simple exercise for anybody to do. I do this with my team. We have, we have these workbooks that have four boxes, right? And mm-hmm, there's the box mm-hmm. of your health, your relationships, your profession, and your soul. And all you have to do is every week grade yourself, A to F. And, you know, we talk about it openly. No judgment. No, it's not me telling you what I think you should do. We grade it. And here's the cool thing. After a month of giving yourself an F, a D, an F, eventually we all come around to, I should probably address that thing. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now life is no longer this unbelievably complex thing that you're just grasping, trying to find your hold of certainty in. It's okay. I know I, my health has been an F for four weeks straight. What can I do that I would do this week to get a D? And if it's like, I'm going to go on three walks, you freaking go on three walks. It's a huge adjustment. And this change systematically happens. It's like a, the curve on a graph, like it starts creeping up and then it just mm. takes off. Yes. Yep. I, yeah. And I feel like so many people get fixated on perfection mm. where, you know, oh man, I, for me, I, I'm notorious about this. If I haven't gone to the gym in a while, which I haven't, I've been, I've been bad about it. Um, when I go into the gym day one, after, after, after a gaps, I go, all right, I got to lift like the rock. Oh, maybe not that. But I got, I say, you know, let me pick up where I left off. Well, that's never a good thing because I'm going to pick up heavier than my body can handle right now. And I end up getting hurt, which sets me back more and everything. What, what you need to, and by you, I mean me, have to start realizing is like, no, just getting to the gym day one, that's, that's an achievement and, and start building on those small achievements. Like, oh, you worked out for 10 minutes. Well, guess what? That's 10 minutes more than you worked out yesterday. And you go more and more. And you can apply this to so many different aspects of your life. You know, like my girlfriend and I were just talking about finances, you know, and you brought that up. Like this month, I am not going to let my bank account hit under this amount. And then next month, it's going to be a little bit more and a little bit more. And before you know it, you've got thousands of dollars in your savings account. Why? Because you had that discipline and you start building these discipline principles, just like you're saying. And it's, it's such an important thing. And, you know, you talk about the four boxes and I feel like everyone sitting in their car right now, would, however, they can start making these boxes and going, all right, where am I deficient in? Where, yeah. where are my deficits? And first off, I think you're going to see that if you're really honest with yourself, you're probably deficient in all four boxes. Let's be, <laughs> we, don't, we don't take care of ourselves or our families really yeah. the way we should, you know? Yeah. And I think the way we fix that is to be really hard on ourselves. No, I mean, honest with ourselves, just yeah. be honest with yourself and be like, all right, like I'm, I'm letting this slip a little too much. This is, you know, and then doing something about it. You know, you can yeah. say like, Oh man, that sucks. All right. Now do something about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And dude, you're right. Right. With every ideal comes a judge. So mm-hmm. by saying, I wish things were better, you are voluntarily saying things aren't as I want them to be, which yeah. means you're confronted with that moment of choice. And you, you brought the bank accounts again, which is perfect. Like health, relationships, your soul, your profession. These are bank accounts. And at the end of the week, have you made more deposits or more withdrawals? Mm-hmm. And on a long enough timeline, if those are all trending up, your life's going to be as good as it can be. And sure. if they're trending down, they're not going to be. And you're right. We tend to view these things as like, I want to be the rock today in the gym and get after it. But- Anyone who's ever done anything that we respect and value 
did not do it in that one day. It was like, dude. All right. So the rock was in, what was that movie? Uh, Central intelligence with Kevin Hart. Have you Mm -hmm. seen that? Uh, I haven't seen that one actually. All right. So in that movie, uh, Dwayne, the rock Johnson was very overweight and then no one sees him for 10 years, goes back to his high school reunion and he's looks like the rock. And Kevin Hart is like, dude, what'd you do? You look incredible. And he's like, well, I did one thing really. I worked out six hours a day, every day for 10 years straight. Mm-hmm. Anybody can do it, right? And he did that one thing consistently over time. And I, you mentioned this idea of wanting to be perfect. I view it through the lens that kind of Carl Jung gave me where he said, we all pursue perfection, but implied in perfection is that the thing is complete. You're never going to be complete. Right, so yeah. pursue yeah. being complete and that will take care of itself. So if you viewed your life through those four boxes and you just made deposits into each one, you are well on your way to becoming whatever complete is for you. Mm-hmm. And you have solved the complexity problem, which yes. is the problem that most people have. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think the, the, the one solution is, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but consistency, right? So like, it's not, it's not going to the gym that one time. It's not, you know, not buying that energy drink the one time it's consistently just doing what is important to you you know right because you everyone has that goal of what they want to do so being consistent about it i always say that um motivation gets you started discipline keeps you going because everyone you know they'll they'll get on it especially you know this is going to air uh the week before a couple days before christmas and then next week will be new year's eve and then everyone's going to hit those resolutions right and everyone's super motivated january 1st they're going to get in the gym they're going to do all these great things and then by like i don't know january 3rd they're like all right i'm done that was fun we're done here yeah but the ones that stay with it are the ones that are going to have the success the ones that are going to maybe not complete their resolution but they're going to be a whole lot better than the guys that stop Everyone can go on YouTube, find some motivational quotes and motivational speeches and get fired up. Great. Yeah. I was that guy. But then what happens when those kind of fade to the side? Now it's just you in the gym, you know, March 7th going, all right, like you start like super full of piss and vinegar. And now you're just with everybody else that's still just grinding. You've yeah. got to love that process, you know, and stay consistent with it. And then suddenly you keep doing it. And like you said, with the rock in the movie, you suddenly get to, if not where you want to go, closer to that sense of complete. And I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's funny when we talk, fitness is a good example of this, but it kind of holds true anywhere. Like the more compound effect you have in your consistency, the easier it becomes. Like Mm -hmm. your first day back in the gym is not what your 14th day back in the gym is going to feel like. It's kind of easier. Yes. And that's because everything is a skill, right? Going to the gym is a skill, but mm-hmm. so is reading. So yes. is being present with your wife. So I think that consistency is key in that you, it's not that things get easier, it's that you grow stronger. And, and that's I, a yeah. big difference. And it, it's worth acknowledging because you empower yourself to know that you're someone who's capable of overcoming these things. And and that's something that you can bring into every area of your life. And I I think the challenge for all of us, certainly in a Western culture is to, all right, posit the goal, have that ideal, 
but be very mindful of how that ideal turns into a judge. Because if we watch our inner dialogue when you start January 2nd with your workout program, mm-hmm. we're so hard on ourselves. It's incredible. And yeah, then yeah. today you're like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit. What an awful day. Like uh, I have – I've really tried to be, you know, I view things through the lens of mythology and Jordan Peterson did a really good job of breaking down reality into there's the individual nested in culture, which is the protective structure from chaos. It's basically Mm -hmm. how we use the world and culture is both supportive and tyrannical, right? I mean, it, it gives you your walls, your electric, your education, the words with which we speak, all these opportunities, but it also confines you to be this very particular kind of person with all these rules of the societal game. Well, the same relationship that culture has the individual, our thinking mind has to ourselves. We can be very supportive, like, dude, you're going to the gym again. Great job. And that would be the supportive side, but also be tyrannical. We're like, dude, you are a piece of garbage. This is all you can do. Get back on that treadmill. And right, right. the thing I'm really trying to share with people is that you don't have to be the tyrannical father to yourself. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It's been so useful for all of us because it's worked. It's a very valuable tool. But sure. I would argue that the energies you use in contrast and juxtaposition where you're like a, a tyrannical father over yourself, what do we do in response to tyranny? We rebel. Yeah. So everybody rebels against themselves with their new year's resolutions because it's that tyrannical part of you that's making it do it. So mm. I love shifting that inner narrative to the supportive father where yes, yes. there's so much resistance out in the world. We need to, to the best of our ability, remove the resistance within you because there's plenty out there. You don't sure, need Sure. Yeah. And when we do that, man, it's the same thing as on a jujitsu mat where you sharpen up your technique and you flow with the role rather than Mm -hmm. force your insufficiencies upon it. When we live that way in the world, we have an entirely different experience of being us. Yes, I I agree completely. And I feel like this entire conversation, you know, we started talking jujitsu, then we talked about life and the brain and everything. And I feel like it all just kind of flows with each other. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why, that's why I was very excited when, when we, we decided to talk because they are just, they, they work so well together. Like, yes, you can use uh, jujitsu as kind of like an analogy to life. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of what I think we've illustrated here. I really hope we have. And I feel like you and I could keep going on and on about different mindsets and, and thoughts. And we're probably going to have to revisit this uh, in a little bit, but uh, we are, we are running low on time. So you do have a brand new book out and I just want to touch on that real quick. I was, I was hoping to talk more about your books, but I I think what we talked about was great. So uh, let's talk about the, the book you have out now, the new one. And then, um, well, first off, how, what got you started writing? How'd that start? Uh, I think I got started because I always wrote to – so writing is external thinking. And mm-hmm. thinking is really freaking hard. But when yes. you write something down, you can address it from this kind of third-party perspective. And you can better assess what's going on inside your own head. So mm-hmm. – I've always written to solve my own problems. And then I realized that none of my problems are unique to me, that we're all experiencing this. So I kind of use each book to solve a different problem that I know other people are experiencing too. Mm -hmm. And dude, this entire conversation was actually perfect for on behalf of the new book. Like the new book is Jiu-Jitsu and Resistance, An Antidote to Modern Struggle. And this this very idea that we talked about of Mm – whether you do jujitsu or not, you voluntarily pursue the difficult on behalf of the better. And I, 
I issued myself, my problem was this. I was like, all right, all these books that I really enjoy reading that no one else wants to read. How can I get this wisdom into people's heads and how can I do it in an efficient way? So I gave myself a challenge in, in a book that takes one hour to read. How can I take all of the best stuff from the humanities on my bookshelf and condense it into one linear argument as to why you are the hero of your own story and what exactly that looks like. And that's what this new book is using jujitsu like we did today as one language to talk about that behavior process. Right. But it's universal. And that's why I'm so committed to really articulating it because if you embody the archetype of the hero, every area of your life gets better. And and who doesn't want that? Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. There's a, there's a Joe Rogan video out that I've watched a lot. It's uh you know, be the hero of your own story. Exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying. And um, obviously Joe Rogan's a big BJJ guy. So you kind of see how this all kind of weaves together. It's a, it's a yeah. wonderful little web, right? Uh, and if someone wanted to check out your book, where can they find it? Yes. Uh, it's on Amazon as well. Uh, chrismatakis.com between Amazon and my website, you can find all the books. Um, and if anyone does read it, I would love your feedback on it. Uh, I, one of the coolest parts of this is I probably get one to two messages a day from people that I have never met saying, Hey, I read this book. It changed the way I think about this. It was a huge help. That's a good indicator for me that I'm spending my time in a worthwhile way. So I always Mm -hmm. appreciate those messages. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I view this podcast. Like, um, I have so many thoughts and I've, I've come across so many different thinkers and, and humanities and books and everything that I want everyone just to like soak in everything that I've soaked in. Cause I feel, yeah. I feel more complete for having found these people, yes. but not everyone's going to, there's so much content out there. Everyone's got their own thing they're doing. So if, if I can be that content that they absorb and I can kind of like give an insight from this guy that I just watched a podcast from or this guy, you know, and just kind of build on it. And then, yes, I've had so many people reach out to me and going, wow, either I never thought of things this way, you know, I feel this way, whatever. It's just, it brings that sense of community around and it makes yeah. me feel better. When I when I get feedback, and I got to be honest, I don't really get all that much negative feedback, which is good, knock on wood. <laughs> it, it, it motivates me to keep going, but also it helps me feel better. You know, like when I'm having yeah. a, a shit day, it's like, wow, I'm not the only one that's feeling this way. And it's reaching people in a positive light, you know, and just all those things together makes it so much more, so much more worthwhile. Yeah, dude, that feedback. So this is the best feedback that I continually get from any of the books. So all the books are a little different. And um, this new one I'm most excited about because it's the ideas I'm working through right now, right? This Mm -hmm. archetype of the hero, how it's applied to our lives. But years ago, I wrote a book called On Jiu-Jitsu, which was... Very simply, here's what jiu-jitsu is doing to us through the lens of virtue and vice. So it's all about character development. It's all like morality and ethics. And bro, I probably use four jiu-jitsu terms in the whole book, in the whole book. Mm -hmm. And it is by far the best-selling book, like orders of magnitude more than any of my other books. And it's the one that has nothing to do with jiu-jitsu, which means that the readership, the jiu-jitsu community – we want more than arm bars, right? We, we yes. want to figure out what our soul wants and we want to use jujitsu to get there. And that to me is just the best feedback. It's so encouraging. Absolutely. I, I agree completely. And that's how kind of, I, you know, this is a police podcast, but I try to make it so much more than just, oh, oh thin blue line. Like there's mm-hmm. so much more out there. And, and that's what has spoken to me 
from my audience is like, listen, we want more than just hunting the sheepdog or, or whatever, hunting the yeah. evil, blah, 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 blah. We want, we want culture. Like this is a, this is a community. We want the culture to be fleshed out. And that's why I like having people on such as yourself, yourself, who you're not a police officer. You work with police officers, so you get it, but it's, it's something so much bigger than that. And I feel like that's how you and I are very similar in our mission statements. Like, yes, you know, your, your, uh, your vessels, jujitsu, mine's police work. Yeah. But they're the same stories, you know, they're the same, same fabric. So it's very interesting. Chris, this has been great, man. I really appreciate it. Um, we've got we've to link up again once the new year rolls around. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to play some Signal 3, all right? Love it. All right. We'll be right back. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. All right, we are back with Chris Matakis and we are going to play some Signal 3. All right, so I explained to him how it works, but... Because tomorrow is Christmas Eve, we are going to do the Christmas edition, and then we'll do some of the the normal ones to wrap it up. But here we go. Uh, Do you have anything planned for Christmas, or what are your family traditions? Yes. So we spend Christmas Eve with my family, and then Christmas Day with my wife's family. Nice. uh, Nice. Can't wait to see everybody. Very cool. Now, we were talking about your Greek last name. Is there special, like, Greek traditions that you guys do? None. We we don't really have any. We uh, Okay. Yeah, that's not too much embedded in our family culture. So we're going to gotcha. do the Christmas tree, nice family meal, play some games, but nothing outside of that. Nice. Nice. That's good. My, uh, so my family is like 50% ish Italian. So we kind of lean heavy into the Italian. Well, we used nice. to not so much anymore. Um, the only thing that really stick stuck for us is the feast of the seven fishes. Ooh. So, so we just eat a lot of fish on Christmas Eve. That's literally <laughs> the only thing that's, uh, carried over like we're not a religious family we don't go to church nothing like that but the fish the fish is the only thing i said i don't know I, very cool what is your favorite christmas movie it's a wonderful life dude it's same. exceptional yes you know you talk about mindset and uh i'm actually going to talk about it at the end of this episode in, in more depth but i love that movie i found it my dad my dad grew up in the 40s like early 40s or he was born in the early 40s and he would always talk about this movie, movie, movie. And I was a kid and I'm like, dude, it's black and white. I don't care. But then I was having a really bad Christmas season one year and I, it was on and totally just transformed my mind. Like it made me feel happy, you know? And yeah. So I just love that movie. I, I it's my tradition to every Christmas Eve. Cause we put off wrapping presents or a lot of the presents till Christmas Eve itself. So while I'm wrapping presents, it's on and I'm like, not even wrapping presents. I'm watching the show, but dude, it's, it, it's the best man. It, it is. 
No man is a failure who has friends. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and even when you're not feeling like you have friends, you do. Like, you know, the, the world is is a much better place for you being in it. Yeah, that, that George Bailey effect, right? What a gift that none of us will have. We don't know right. what the world will look like without us, but I kind of operate on the faith that it would be a lot worse if I weren't here. So yes. get to work. Yeah, absolutely. Even even on some of your some of my darkest days, you know, when you know, it's like, ah, oh, I'm just I'm just kind of in people's way or or whatever it might be. When you start thinking with the proper mind again, it's like, no, what you know, there's so much so much good that I bring to the table. And yeah. that's, you know, you're right. No one's going to get the the George Bailey, you know, let's look at the life without me. But it's it's just so, you know, I've get we're getting deep here. Uh <laughs> we you know, I've, I've dealt with people committing suicide and unfortunately mm. you don't realize the impact you make until you're not here anymore. Yes. And, yes. you know, I've been to too many funerals this year and I hear all these wonderful things about different people and it's so great. And, you know, every time I'm hearing these eulogies, I'm going, man, they'd love to hear that. And I'm like, why don't we tell people these things when they're around? You know, like mm-hmm. we need to really take a second and appreciate the people in our lives. Yeah. Like, and let them know, like, don't, don't let it be a secret. Let them know. It's, it's amazing. Dude. I thought of one idea for heaven would be like, you get up there with God and you watch like an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary mm. about your life and all your yeah. friends talking about you. We should just create that for each other while we're all still here. Absolutely. Absolutely. When my mom passed, I made a, uh, I made a slideshow for her celebration of life of just like all of her pictures and, you know, songs and everything. And it was really sweet. And, you know, the kids cried and I don't, I don't really cry. Not that I'm macho or anything. My body just doesn't do it. And I was like, man, you know, she probably would have appreciated this when she was alive, you know, and it's just, and we, you know, obviously we don't, and we need to, we need to really start appreciating the people that we love and care about and and telling them. I agree completely. All right. That got a little deep. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite Christmas song? Ooh. I'm not really a music guy, so nothing okay. comes to mind. I guess I don't have one. Okay. Do you have one that, like, if it comes on, you have to turn the radio off? No, I don't. No. Okay. <laughs> Do you? I got, for me, I just can't stand – there's two of them. I think just because they play them to death is uh, Feliz Navidad Okay. and Little Drummer Boy. I just never got into them. Just, gotcha. They play, and I'm just like, Why? There's so many better songs out there. All right. So uh, what is the best gift that you received as a kid? I remember one year I really wanted a PlayStation and my parents didn't get it for me because they got me much more practical gifts that I should have had. And my friends all chipped in and bought me a PlayStation. And we never had any money. We were like in high school or something. Sure. But that meant a lot that my friends went out of their way to do that. So that would that is- be mine. That's really great. That's nice. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to do some Christmas this or that. So I'll give okay. you two things. Pick which one you like. Apple or pecan pie? Apple. Okay. Eggnog or hot chocolate? Eggnog. Eggnog or cider? Eggnog. Okay. Really? You're a big eggnog Ooh. guy. Love eggnog. Absolutely. I've got. I've come around to it. It's, it still doesn't beat out those other two, but I've come around <laughs> to it. Uh, Die Hard or Christmas Vacation? Die Hard. Okay. On top of the tree, star or an angel? I had to look. We have a star, so I'm going with star. Okay. Very good. We couldn't decide this year, so we have a star, and then we've got a picture of my dog next to it. So it's oh, a very cool. <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. Would you rather work on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Eve. 
Okay. Sugar cookies or gingerbread? Sugar cookies. White or colored Christmas lights? White. Uh, do you open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Both. Okay. And the last one of these, do you prefer a wrapping paper or a gift bag? Gift bag, because I can't wrap. Right? I can't either. My girlfriend's <laughs> got OCD. She's perfect with it. It looks like it came right out of Santa's workshop. Yep. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> not so good. Not so good. All right. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up. We got uh, five more questions. Here we go. What is your dream vacation destination? somewhere in the mountains completely alone other than my wife and my puppy. Okay. What kind of dog you got? Uh, we're not sure. Black lab mixed with something else. He's okay. a very athletic dog. I think he's got like great Dane or something in him. Cause he can run. Nice. Nice. Um, <clears throat> what is something that you love that everyone hates? Reading really difficult books. Hmm. Okay. Um, give an example of a really difficult book. I'm currently reading Maps of Meaning, which is uh, Jordan Peterson's first book. And it's like 470 pages with small font of the Mm. most difficultly complex ideas. And I love it. So I actually started a a weekly email where I just give people the cliff notes and kind of translate that book into a way that's more accessible. Nice, Uh, nice. Dude, if anyone wants that, it's just on my website, chrismatakis.com. Put your name in the footer and you get the translated books each week for me. Nice. Nice. So you, um, it's, it, so it's like Jordan Peterson before he got more mainstream and kind of, I don't want to say he watered down cause he's still very intelligent and, and everything yeah. he does is very intelligent, but you know, he kind of, kind of had to make things a little bit easier digested for the masses, especially with his yes. Ted talks and things like that. Got it. Very cool. Exactly. Um, what is something that you hate that everyone loves? Bro. I don't hate a lot of things. I really hate the victim's mindset, that mm. sense of abdicating responsibility. I, yes. I really don't like that. I feel like it's very disempowering. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, and I feel like it's uh, in, in today's society, it's almost celebrated where, oh, you know, let's let's just give you whatever you need. You know, it's it's the part- participation trophy society, you know, like, mm. oh, you know, you 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 lost, but you still, you still get something like, no, you didn't. (laughs) So let's, let's not do it. I agree with you. What's your favorite donut flavor? Oh, jelly filled, like strawberry jelly. Okay. Nice. All right. This one I might be reaching because you said you're not a music guy, but if you're going into the biggest moment of your life, let's say you're going to give a big talk. You're, Mm. you know, walking into the ring. What's your walk on song? Vivaldi four seasons, specifically spring. Nice. I, I Yep. Spring is definitely my uh, four season of choice too. Yeah. Um, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? My mom uh, many years ago told me that life is too short to eat bruised bananas. And I have clung to that and it's brought with me into every domain of just like, dude, you get one chance at this. Some of the stuff you don't want to do, you don't need to do. That's true. That's very true. That's wise words. And the last question. If you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be and what would you order? The first thing that comes to mind would be Jordan Peterson and we would get some big steaks. I would really like to have a conversation with that dude. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, And just because I, I got a little bit of foodie in me, what kind of steak would you get and what size mm-hmm. would you get with it? So I would get – I tend to get a lot of New York strips. So I'd probably okay. get a couple of those. And a side would be sweet potato fries. Okay, nice. All right, Chris, this was great. 
Absolutely love picking your brain on things. Like I said, we're going to have to do this in the future. If people want to get with you on social media and kind of see what you have to offer, how do they do it? Where do they find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is Chris Matakis BJJ. Facebook is just Chris Matakis. Uh, website is chrismatakis.com. That's where you can get on the email. And then the new book that's out, it's on Amazon, uh, Jiu-Jitsu and Resistance, An Antidote to Modern Struggle. Uh, you can get that on Amazon right now. Excellent. Everyone go do it. Go buy his book and tell him what you think. Cause that's, I got, like we said, the feedback is really what keeps this whole thing going. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to know if, if what you're spending your time on is a problem that other people are trying to solve as well. Right. Exactly. Just yeah. one message a day is enough to be like, all right, cool. I'm on the, I'm on the path to doing something good here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Chris, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Dude, thank you. Really a pleasure and best of luck with the whole podcast, man. And thank you for what you do in law enforcement. Thank you very much. Likewise, everyone listening, we'll be right back. Alan Watts has this quote yeah. where he says, we can become so consumed with trying to improve our lives that we all together forget to live them. Is there a way that people can learn to let go of this compulsion a little bit? I think my, my second book implicitly answers some of that um, and explicitly some of it as well. But the implicit part is there's an increased emphasis on social ties. And so for me, I snap out of the improvement slash productivity trap to the degree that I'm able when I'm playing with my family, let's say, when we're joking, when we're sitting around a mealtime together. If you have an undiagnosed illness, especially if it's severe, it's very likely that you're going to tear yourself apart looking for what you did wrong to have this arise. So I've been considering, did I take on too much responsibility? Did I work too much, et cetera, et cetera? I don't know the answer to that yet. But what I do know is that since I've been trying to regain my health, I've been doing a lot of walking, and that's been really good. And I'm not working while I'm walking. I'm walking, and I've been working out more, and I've been playing more, and I've been dancing more, and that's all useful. And that has to be balanced with that productivity. Because what you're looking for, eh? You're looking for improvement, but you're looking for sustainable improvement. And so if you push yourself too hard, you, you destroy the sustainability across time. And, and you want this, that sustainability there. So you can't push yourself any farther than you're capable of going in the long run. And I learned quite early on that writing more than three hours in a day was counterproductive. Whatever I gained from a four-hour writing session, I'd lose the next day or two. But I also think you have to kind of push yourself past your limits before you can retract to the optimal place. That can't be sort of defined a priori because each person's limit is different. And I think so. I think what you do when you're young, in your 20s, if you're operating in an optimal manner, is you push yourself to your limits and then pull back and adjust for sustainability. So do we lean to, need to learn to play in a way? 
play can be. Uh, we need to remember how. We all know, right? I mean, play is so deeply embedded in human beings. It's it's one of our primary modes of 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 cognition and adaptation. Wise words from the master himself, Jordan Peterson and Chris Williamson. And again, thank you to Chris Matakis for basically saying the exact same thing just in long form and incorporating jujitsu as a point of play and exercise and so on. So just amazing. And I, I really liked how I was able and Chris was able to integrate and weave all that together. And that's really what I'm trying to do is take these serious topics and you know, make it make it more palatable. Because, like I said in the interview, you got guys like Jocko and Goggins, and they're rah rah rah. They're in your face. They're super intense. They're accomplished. But you know, you never see the off side of them. Like when they're not, you know, working out at four thirty, and they're just being a dad. They're just being a husband. Just you know, it's it's hard to envision someone like that being the loving and emotional support that a spouse or a, or a child might need. So I'm trying to find the happy balance here and hopefully you guys can help me along with it. Um, if you guys have any insight on any of this, as far as how, you know, you de-stress, how you, um, stay productive, anything like that, I want you to call me and here's how I want you to do it. The 10A podcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Just kidding. But the 10A podcast is made possible because of people like you taking about an hour of your week out and listening to me and i love nothing more than hearing from you so what i want you to do is call because this is an audio podcast and text messages just don't work the same call the 10a podcast and i will play your voice clip on my show you can literally call about anything it could be a question it could be a complaint it could be a grievance it could be a gripe it could be a bitch it could be a moan don't be a moan that would that would be weird um, but yes, I want you to call and I want to share it to the masses. So please give me a call 352-610-1692. Again, that's 352-610-1692. Save that in your phone. It does not go to my phone. It goes to a voicemail and I will play your voice on my show. All right, let's get back into it. That's it, guys. Call me. Let me know what you think. Give me your opinions on things. Of course, you can always call in something silly, but... I, I would like to get some uh, serious insight about this. So if you have it, call me. And to wrap up our episode today, like I said, this is our last Christmas episode before the Christmas party. And then we're kind of done for the year. Uh, I talked about It's a Wonderful Life in the main interview, but I'll kind of touch on it again. But first, I want to talk about the Santa Claus. Now, I was trying to plan something really special when I talk about the Santa Claus. Um, I had found Eric Lloyd, who plays the kid Charlie in the movie. I found his Instagram. I reached out to him, hoping that he would come on and, and give me a few minutes of his time. And we could talk about the movie, we could whatever. But that didn't work out. So you, instead you get this guy, me, by the same name. Uh, Santa Claus is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. I'd say it's like one and two with It's a Wonderful Life. But literally, like, it's it's by the short hairs. It's It's... Photo finish. I love that movie. I could watch it again and again. The second one is good too. It's enjoyable. The third one, eh, not so much. The second one makes me laugh too, but it's nowhere near as heartwarming and just good as the first one. Tim Allen in his prime. When he was in that movie, when he was making that movie, he had the number one movie, the number one TV show, the number one book. 
Um, and he was also, I believe, the first person to star in a Disney movie that was a convicted felon. So, not too bad uh, for Mr. Tim Allen. And Tim Allen, actually, way back when, when I was first getting into social media, uh, I reached out to him on Twitter, and I think he responded. It was probably just his publicist, but still, I got someone to respond under the moniker of Tim Allen, which was cool. Love that movie. Uh, I can't say enough about it. One of my favorites. And it's a wonderful life. Like I said in the uh, Signal 3 section, I was in a really bad place in, I think, middle school or high school. Just, you know, as, as you do in high school, just wasn't feeling it. Uh, not not in a good mental space, just, just in a down place. It happens in the holidays, I get it. Um, I was feeling kind of lonely, kind of more lonely than usual. And It's a Wonderful Life came on. And like I said, I kind of foo-fooed at it you know it, it was black and white it was an older movie i was younger so i didn't really understand or appreciate it and i sat down and i watched it with my dad who at the time was sick uh as i said a few weeks ago he had his first stroke when i was 14 um so we sat and we watched it and he was in his bed because he was kind of bedridden and you know for the first what 90 percent of that movie it is sad it's sad and it just gets sadder as the time goes on and I could really relate to a lot of things that were going on in the movie. Uh, basically, George Bailey is kind of this very gifted and promising young man. He's graduating high school, or he did graduate high school, but he decided to stay home from going to college so that way he could help take care of his dad and his family business and everything. The day before, he's supposed to travel and go to college and get his stuff in line and go do what he wants to do. He wants to build bridges and all these amazing things. His dad has a stroke. Again, see how I kind of can relate to this? So George is forced to stay home and take care of the family. Uh, George's dad dies in the movie right after that. And from there, uh, some time passes. George gets, um, uh, gets, you know, he does very well. And while he's there taking care of the business, his younger brother goes off to college. And he ends up finding the woman of his dreams and gets married to her while he's away at college. And, you know, all these things make George feel ennui. That's the French word for, like, you know, I want that. And... Again, all this stuff I was able to relate to throughout my early 20s, too, because, you know, my dad got sick, like I said. Uh, I went away to school, but I had to come right back because I couldn't afford it. I've told this story on the podcast several times. I got to see everybody that I went to school with graduate with the degree I wanted, and I just felt these things. Um, he George eventually gets married to the girl at, of his dreams, too. He gets a family, and, you know, he every time he tries to get ahead and tries to do something special, um, he gets pulled back. Uh, basically, uh, after his dad passes away... I'm sorry, his dad doesn't pass away, but he has to stay. And then eventually his dad does pass away. And the company that his dad ran and, and George kind of helped out with, they're like, listen, we're going to sell to the mean old Scrooge kind of guy in town if you don't stay and you don't run the business. And he's like, but this is my only chance to leave. Like, I finally got it. But to save his family's name and to save all these good people that are associated with the company, George bites the bullet yet again. And, and he gives up his dreams to help other people. Long story short, Things go for a really bad turn, and, you know, this is this is a 1940s movie. I'm not spoiling anything for anybody, but George has enough of it. Uh, he's, he's feeling bottom of the barrel, and he 
goes to take his own life. That's when uh, his guardian angel jumps down, saves his life, and shows him what life would be like without him. The holidays are really hard for everybody, guys. I'm not going to say that they're not. Um, and I said it in the interview with Chris, and I'll say it again. Uh, I've lost a lot of people this year. Um, a lot of people. My sister, my best friend, and another close friend. And through each of their celebration of lives or funerals or whatever, all I kept saying is, you should be here. You know, you should be listening to what these great people are saying about you. And it made me realize, you know, I I remember going to one of Jason's uh, memorial services or something and going, Jason would love this. And when we had my sister celebration life going, my sister would love this. And I said it in the interview with Chris, but why don't we express these feelings to these people when they're standing right in front of us? I think we're so, I don't know, proud, too proud and, and too, um, I don't even know the word. I'll be honest to express this to these people when they're standing right in front of us. Maybe we don't want to be over the top. Maybe we don't want to be extra or whatever the, the phrase is these days. And I think that's a real bad shame. A year ago, uh, December 25th, a year ago, a detective that I worked with from another agency, uh, took his own life. He and I were not very close. Uh, I took a class with him and we worked an operation together for mutual aid, uh, and a couple other calls for service together. Great guy. Every time I was with him, he was always smiling and seemingly in a great mood. And he took his own life. Uh, you never know what people are going through. Um, several years ago, uh, I want to say it was around Thanksgiving, I responded to a sergeant from a neighboring uh, jurisdiction. She took her own life in my jurisdiction. And I, I said that while I was dealing with it. It's one thing to hear about it on police one or street cop training or on Instagram or whatever, but for it to happen in your backyard, it's, it's, I'm at a loss for words, man. You can't, you can't put words to it. I can only imagine what their loved ones feel. And I've, this year I felt it too. Having someone close to me take their own life. That being said, guys, the holidays are hard. Call your buddies, call your people, call the people that you care about. Just tell them that you care about them, that you love them, and you never know. Like I said, the, this kid Darius, smiling all the time, in a great mood, but he had demons, and he couldn't escape them. But no one no one would know because he was so happy on the, outward, uh, on the outside. So it doesn't matter who they are, reach out to them and tell them you love them. Don't wait to eulogize them to tell them how much you care about them. And that's kind of the lesson in It's a Wonderful Life is that the world is better with you in it. You may not think that. It may not feel that way. And you may think that you impact nobody's life. But I guarantee you that you do. I've been to, unfortunately, too many funerals this year to say otherwise. Anyway, guys, very somber, very serious, but very heartfelt. I mean it. This is a big, big issue to me, and we're going to be covering mental health for the next month or two straight because of it. That being said, today, December 20th, I attended Jenna Rose's mental health class from Street Cop Training, and you know I will give a full report back 
about that in a future episode and we'll go from there that concludes our episode today guys thank you so much for listening i hope you guys have a very safe week jersey boys christmas party is on friday or i'm sorry thursday christmas eve is friday christmas is on saturday if i don't talk to you between then and now take care of each other stay safe have a merry christmas and we'll see you next time 10-8 out It's a miracle!